0: Into God's Word this morning, and we're gonna start in Genesis. How many know that Pastor Roe loves Genesis? Amen. There you go. We're gonna go to Genesis chapter number three. (laughs) God is so good. God is so good. Genesis chapter three, we're gonna start here, and again, I truly believe that. Uh, the first three chapters of Genesis is critical is vital to our walk, and then when God saves us, He brings us all the way back to Genesis one again, but we we are stuck at genesis three it's like life happens at Genesis three, and we feel as if that's the wall, and we can't go any any further and so we want to take a look at this uh, truth there's something um, deceptive. In Genesis three, but there's something descriptive as well. I want you to write that down if you if you desire to take notes that there is something deceptive in Genesis three, but there's also something descriptive as well, and if we're not careful, we can miss what is taking place. So in Genesis chapter three, um, let's take a look. Uh, we'll start at verse. Let's start for the first verse. Uh, now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So the first thing... As I mentioned, we're seeing a descriptive right here. There is a descriptive about the nature of somebody. So the character is mentioned right now. We have a serpent. We have someone speaking to the serpent. And we have this person speaking to the serpent given another character that they've introduced in this text. So that is descriptive. But God said, you shall eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you should not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God. Here it is, knowing good and evil. Let's rest right there as we bow our heads and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we need you. I need you. Be the king of our hearts. Do the work that only you can do. Help us to um, receive from this text your heart and what you want us to know. We surrender to your sovereignty and to your guidance and to your love, and we honor and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as a review, I really believe that what we need more than anything else in this particular season, perhaps in the 80s, we could argue differently. But there's no denying that in the 20th uh, uh, you know, uh, 2022 and, and going on, that we need we need a prophetic word to guide us through the difficulties that we are facing. I think we all can agree with that as the image bearers of God, God's creation. I believe the one thing that we can all unify under is that um, it's supposed to happen. And so I believe what sets the church apart is that uh, we know the voice of God, or we should. Know the voice of God, and so by virtue of of of, of that, our ability to discern um, deception and for us to be descriptive. I think we have a world that is saying, "Church, what is God saying?" I was watching this movie one time, and I love the clip uh, or this particular scene and uh, the 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 movie. The guy was was saying. Um, um, the, the crowd is saying this, the constituents are saying this. And so the chief of staff went to, uh, no, one of the person on, on the team went to, to uh, the person and he said, the reason why they're talking is because you're not talking. Right? And so we have in Genesis 3, we have this conversation taking place of, of who's talking. What are they saying? And so we need to have a prophetic word. And so what is, what is interesting is that I believe every prophet, every apostle, every pastor, every teacher, every believer must land right back here in Genesis chapter 3. We have to land there because either life will bring you there or Jesus will bring you there. Either life's going to bring you there, the reality of life, how you see through your eyes, will bring you back to humanity. And for you to describe humanity, to give description to it, and in that, if you don't have a prophetic word, you will fall prey, not intentionally, but virtue of a principle. Someone say principle. You see, life is governed by principle, right? It's governed by that, and... And gravity, it's, it's a principle. Whether you like it or not, it exists. Can someone say yes? It doesn't matter if you're short or tall. Gravity still is gravity. It doesn't matter if you are wealthy or you are poor. Gravity. It doesn't matter whether you are black or white. Gravity. And so what the enemy wants is for us to ignore a biblical kingdom principle. So that those things cause us to divide. And we land back at the fall. Knowing good and evil. And so what is necessary in this hour is to understand what God is saying to us. And when God speaks, write this down, when God speaks, it's to reveal his nature. God doesn't speak to waste his words. God speaks to reveal his nature. Not your opinion, not your experiences, but his nature of who he is. And so in this text that we're looking at, we're seeing prophets Would prophesy and they would always go back to this because when they were prophesying, they were speaking to particularly a nation and trying to get a nation to understand the nature of God. And they were speaking specifically biblically through Adam, through the covenant of Adam, and through a nation that was born through Jacob, who became Israel, to this, who had 12 kids and the tribe and he's speaking to a covenant people and he's saying whenever I speak to a nation it is to speak and declare my nature and the number one thing God wants us to know is that he is good that's it that he is good that he is good and so when we when when we unpack where we've been journeying uh, for the last couple of weeks, and when we understand that God wants to equip you by knowing his nature, God wants to empower you by knowing his his, his his nature, that God wants us to understand that we are all, according to Genesis chapter 3, if you're following with me, we're all victims of the what? It doesn't end though, as the church. Come on, right? It doesn't end there. We're all victims of the fall. That's what the world is celebrating. That's what the world is telling us. That's what the world is saying about every behavior is that it's just to be human and because we've all fallen and the violence that exists, that that's just how things work and we're doing the best we can to figure it out. So we enact laws to try to deal with the fall. Bringing principles of man. To try to govern what is really a violation of a principle of God. Because we're battling with the goodness of God. That's what we're dealing with. And so as we take a look at this particular text, we have to understand that what the church says is, yes, we're all victims of the fall. But here is the prophetic word. We are in need of healing. I said earlier that healing came about after Genesis chapter 3 because prior to that, it was perfect health. It was the goodness of God that moved across everything that took place. Are you ready for this? Even though the enemy was present, perfection was still in existence. Think about that. That the way we are living today, God's like, why are you all so nervous? It happened in the garden. (laughs) The issue is your ability to have discernment and description. The ability to recognize and describe and be able to recognize my prophetic voice. And so what is happening here is this. We are all victims of the fall, but here is the good news. Someone say good news. The good news is this. We're in need of healing and we have the healer. Oh God. That's the message of hope. That's what we have to declare. That's what the enemy doesn't want us to talk about. Why? Because he wants us to sit in a victimized mindset so that the nature of God's not revealed. And so, here is where we are now as we take a look at this. And so, and, and so where, where we landed is, is, is this. Is, is the journey has taken us to understand then, then there is what I call um, the results of being a victim and identify seven things and these two were victim of the fall in need of healing and the result of being a victim it, it's too large to 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 preach on a Sunday and so I'm inviting you in July for a time of sitting around the table for us to really break this down because you must be equipped you must be empowered because there's a world that is saying I'm struggling I'm trying to figure stuff out and I am limited but I heard that the church is the voice of God and so I have to know what is going God's saying about his nature. Because I'm struggling with my nature. And there's a disconnect that's taking place. And so, and so as the church keeps quiet. As the church remains powerless. We have people who lose hope and question whether there is a god where is god and so jeremiah is grieved in jeremiah chapter 8 he's grieved he said is there a king where's the king in israel He's weeping over the condition of this nation. He's not condemning them. He's weeping and saying, my goodness, you are God's people. And he's saying, God has all these things for you. You know, Jeremiah, where we don't like to read when he's weeping. But it's the same Jeremiah we caught at graduation. I know the plans I have for you, saith God. Plans to prosper for you and give you hope. In Jeremiah chapter 29, he tells us what do we do when we see all that's taking place in this world with the increase of grocery prices, increase of gas prices, and you go to try to buy some, it's not there. And the world is thinking, oh my goodness, there's so much fear that is taking place, but the church, we don't live by fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Here's what Jeremiah said back then in the same conditions today. Here's what Jeremiah said. Field (laughs) houses. Huh? You better prosper. Come on. (laughs) Get married. Have children. Pray blessing. Pray the prosperity of the city. Don't curse the city. Pray God's prosperity over the city. You recognize the impact of the fall? Well, open up your mouth and declare as it is in the kingdom of heaven. Let it be down here on earth. Now that's not popular to the news outlets. Because they make their money on fear. Not on faith. So you have to be discerning. You have to be discerning. To be able to discern what is facts. And what is going after your faith. Come on. And so here we are landing. So, so Jeremiah. So what I believe as I, as I look at this. What I believe is, is, is Jeremiah is crying out and, and, and what, what Jeremiah is doing, he's leading us to understand that, that, that because of Genesis chapter 3, as we read it, as we see that, that they participated in and, and, and disobedience and through deception, they ate of the fruit and their eyes were open, And all of a sudden they took upon them now, no longer the nature of God, they took upon now the sinful nature. But God was still there. I'm going to pause right there because you don't you, you understand that. They took upon up themselves the, the, the sinful nature. And, and so in Genesis chapter 6, we, we read about the violence that, that God was at a point where he says he's looking at his people and he's saying, I'm going to destroy every single person. That no one deserves to be saved. That we had angels having relationships with men fallen in and so and and so there 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 is there is theological discussions on where those are the giants that david uh, went after or demonic spirits that were in that were impregnated uh, 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 of ladies and they were given birth to these things. It was just ugly. we think today is bad. read back in the bible days, come on somebody. Here's what the problem is. Technology has advanced so much that it covers our evil. (laughs) That our convenience has made our sin comfortable. That we don't see it like they did back then. But the Bible is just raw. Just just open raw to the things that were there. I don't know about you, but thank God I'm living in today. Amen, somebody. Because what they had to endure back then. What they had to go through back then. Hebrews talks about it, that they were thrown into the lions' den. Come on. For their faith. The evil that existed. And so that was the the, the sinful nature. And here's the deal. Here is the deal. That that when it comes to the the sinful nature, to the evil, majority of people in agreement, no, that's evil. That's evil. And we can pick it out. We can discern that. No, that's evil. No, that 's not right. something happens in a nation everybody like that 's not right i don 't care if you 're religious it doesn 't matter atheist that 's not right that everybody is a victim of the fall and everybody can declare what is good and what is evil. Are you following me somebody? Everybody has an opinion and now with with Facebook and, and YouTube uh, we just we just give everybody a platform everybody 's got something to say and so technology has covered up the evil by making it convenient. Stay with me now. Because what we have to understand is, is this, as we go to our text, here is the thing that the church must understand, is this, is that when we really look at this, we all say, okay, okay, no, that's evil. That's wicked. You shouldn't do that. Child molesters. We, we, we judge. We judge based on the evil. And we all agree, whether we're religious or not, we agree that's evil. You don't have to be spirit-filled speaking in tongues to declare that. Your eyes are telling you that's evil. That's wicked. We have an uproar about it. We don't like it. And so so as long as the church stays in this camp, everything's good. The issues when we come out of that camp and we start addressing, ready, our human nature. That's where now it starts to get a little squirrely. That's where you start reading my emails. So stay in the evil because that's not me. But don't mess with the good that's supposed to be in me. And so my text is your good is not good enough. Your good is not good enough. What is holding back a massive revival is not the evil that exists, it's the good that we think we are. And that's holding back. The move of God. Because when you say. You want to come to church with me. We tell them. No I'm good. Come on. Can we go deeper. No I'm good. And so you're good. is not good enough. Because in Genesis 3. We can see throughout the scripture. How it made it way to Mark chapter 10. Where the rich. Good young ruler came. And was going right back to this text again. Good teacher. What must I do? What good deeds can I do. To inherit eternal life. Follow with me. He went right back into. I'm not evil. I'm not like those individuals. I'm not demon possessed. I'm none of those things. So Clearly. Clearly, they don't have eternal life. But he says, so my good, what good can I do to inherit eternal life? And he brings that question to Jesus. Now, now I, I want to let you know this. Um, um, it's okay to ask questions. Parents, let your kids ask questions. Actually, encourage them asking questions. Don't be timid if you don't know the answer. Tell them, I'll get back with you. But let them ask questions. Let them ask questions of the faith. They're asking it regardless if they tell you or not anyways. So have a conversation says, ask me questions of the faith. Because Jesus welcomed questions. He did. He didn't shy away from them. And so in asking this question, we see the rich young ruler came. And if we look at Luke chapter 10, I want you to to, to write this down if you didn't from last time I shared this. There are two foundational principles that you must have when we're going to engage in Mark chapter 10. The two foundational principles for the church is this. We cannot compromise on this. We We must be this. Number one, we must demonstrate the law of love. We must demonstrate Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4, 5, and 6. We must love the Lord that God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And we must do Leviticus, love our neighbor as ourself. That cannot be debated. We must have that. That must be the key. If you want to look at a healthy church, they are living Deuteronomy chapter 6. They understand the impact of it. They understand the importance of It's that. The second principle is the love without limits. The love without limits. And we have to understand it because because as we move away from the sinful nature and we now move into the human nature. How many of you have heard people say, I'm just a human? Or some people will say, it's just human to think that way, right? In other words, they're saying, I can't help myself. It's my human nature to act like this. And yes, but no. Deception, description. And so here it is now that with these two principles that Jesus mentioned and when he talked about the good Samaritan, he now says, I'm going to pause, I'm going to pause on that, and I'm going to jump on this because I can't talk about the good Samaritan until I deal with the good, rich, young ruler. I have to deal with what we consider to be good. Because in Genesis chapter 3, he says that guess what? We're gonna be able to know what? Good from what? Evil. And so I think that I've done a sufficient job by letting you know that most issues are not about the evil. It's clear. And if you don't have discernment, you better get it because in the last days, wickedness is going to take place. Uh, what, what did the Bible say in Timothy? That in the last days, there's going to be wickedness and evil and all these things that, that make up, you know, the, the, the culture and society. And what he's saying is this, is that most agree with that, but we have to address our human nature of what we believe and perceive is to be good. Because what's holding you back from your freedom is your goodness. What's holding you back from your full deliverance is your goodness. Now, one can argue it's a religious spirit. It's self-righteousness. But for now, we'll just call it your goodness, right? You know what I mean? We'll just call it that. And, and so in Mark chapter 10, if you go there real quick, I, I, want, I want to walk to this for the minute the time I have with you because... I want you to understand the nature of God, that what he wants you and I to do is, remember, I call this the messy middle. It's it's the messy middle that I'm no longer that, but I can't seem to grasp this, so I'll just rest here. So God, redeem me from this. But I can't go past Genesis 3, so I'll just sit here and constantly communicate with the enemy and debate what is good and what is evil. I'll spend the rest of my time in my herd debating between what is evil and what is good. And sometimes I'll get it right. Sometimes I'll get it wrong. Sometimes I may get it in the middle and and whatever. And so God is saying, no, I don't want you to struggle with your goodness. I want you to know my goodness. That is so good. The word gospel, write that down. The word gospel. You know what the word gospel means? Good news about a good God. That's what it means. It's good news about a good God. And so as you take a look at what's going on, I want someone to give me the gospel, not the gas prices. I can see that. Because what it does, it rearranges my travel. Come on. It makes my priorities now have to come into focus. Am I going to obey God or obey the God that I've always, I had? Come on. And so all that you're seeing, hear me now, hear me now. I'm not getting out of the need to debate and to understand if it's good policy or bad policy or, or it's gas gouging, which is my personal opinion, right? But, but But here's what I'm believing. I'm believing because we live in a fallen nature. We have a closed economy. Come on. That always tries to instill fear that affects the economy. We know this. We shouldn't be surprised by this. So when we see these things happen, the church needs to get on its knees and to declare the kingdom of heaven. Let it come down on earth. How dare you try to gouge us? How dare you try to rob us of prosperity? The devil is a liar. We got to get upset. Ooh, in Jesus' name. You know what's going on here? And so we, 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 we look at this. And so, and so we understand in, in, in Mark, chapter 10, he begins in verse 17. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? When I was studying this, here's what he said. I love this part. Don't, 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 don't miss this. Here's what he said. He said, I've observed you, Rabbi, I've observed you, and I recognize the good that you do is just as good as the good that I do. But because you say who you are, your nature, tell me what good deeds that I can do to inherit eternal life, to be free of condemnation and punishment from God. So it was work. Base driven. He would say in my humanity, in my effort, what can I do? Because you, I've identified you, your nature, you're good. Now because you're God, you're good because I see the good that you're doing. So we're going to have a battle for goodness for goodness. Come on. And that's how he approaches them. And look what Jesus does. I love this, right? So Jesus then goes ahead and he says this to him. I love this part. And he says this. Um, 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 Jesus says, why do you call me good? <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He goes right back to the nature of God. Oh. Oh, come on. You got to rest in that. You got to be like a pit bull and sink your teeth into that right there. You will cause demons to flee if you start answering like that. Come on. When they start giving you praise. Oh, no, 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 no. God is good. Let's get this established from the beginning. If you're going to battle me between nature and go back to the fall, I'm going to answer properly. God is good. Period. He's not good because he's the opposite of Satan. No, 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 no. We got it twisted. God is good all by himself. Oh my God. There is no one even close to God's goodness. Moses says, show me your glory. God says, my goodness will go before you. God is good. God is good. And so he goes on and he says, why do you call me? Why do you call me good? Then he goes and gives him the six socially oriented commandments. He gives the six things of how we can talk with each other and so here it is now that this rich young ruler in his goodness in his humanity says this is how we have a relationship now goodness to goodness goodness to goodness and so I'm married I'll just give you my goodness I I got a business I'll just give you my goodness and everything we do with people is goodness to goodness but if someone goes evil like oh no 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 no! we don't go to God we go to our goodness (laughs) Here's why we go to our goodness. Someone asked, why do we go to our goodness, Ro? Come on, ask, why, why, why do we go? Because we really can't live out the law of love and the love without limits. <sighs> what Jesus told them, they're like, we can't do that. We're powerless to do that. So the only thing that we know how to do then because we don't want to have our sinful nature and evil rule and reign. So we live struggling in our human nature and all we can tell people is I'm a victim of the fall but I'm doing my best. So excuse me when I mess up. And we blame it on our flesh, our desires, not our evil, our desires. We blame it on our intentions. Come on, somebody. And our goodness prevents God's good from operating to give us power To be free. What's holding us back is not the evil of this world. It's our goodness. We have no empowerment. To try to even live up to the commandments. This lawyer. As I referenced in Luke 10. Was a scholar. He wasn't a lawyer like we have lawyers now. He was a lawyer of the law. He knew the law. And he said, I can't even live up to this, that he justifies his own answer by saying, then who is my neighbor? We're going to get to that. Who is my neighbor? Because I've always thought when I looked at that text that, that, that I missed, that I thought I've, I missed what it means to be a good neighbor. And we're going to get to it because Jesus wants to, us to understand this, that in God. Being good is how his love flows. And in God's love is how his goodness flows. They are connected because God is love. God is good. Come on, they're not separate. They're the same thing. So when you tell people I love you, you're declaring God's goodness over their life. Because you're saying I'm powerless to live in the law of love and to love without limits. I have limits. I don't want to, but I have limits in my love for you. I, I do. I don't want to openly say it, but but I do. That you can only go so far. And, and I want you to write this down because when God gave this to me, this was so amazing. Look at this in Luke, uh, excuse me, Mark 10, verse 21. I want you to look at this real quick. And look, look, watch this now, Luke 10, 21. And Jesus, looking at him, did what? Oh, come on. Loved him. In his human effort and his human nature, he looks at him and says, I know your intentions, but because I am the only one that can fully fulfill the commands of God, I love you. Oh, my God. And that's dangerous for the church because we think loving someone like Jesus means compromising and letting them do whatever they want to do. And the devil is a liar. Devil is a liar. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that at all. We're saying you need God for all of your life. Not just one part you struggle with. All of your life you need Jesus. And so he loved them, Looked at him and loved them. And that's what he was supposed to uh, 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 show up to people. He looks at and he says, now you lack one thing. Go sell and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and follow me. Newsflash. Jesus was not teaching poverty. <laughs> Let's get that right. That's a lie from the pit of hell that he wants us to be impoverished people. We got to break that because there's kingdom work that we have to do and we are silenced because we don't have the resources to do it. They don't care. Gather all you want to have everything that you want to do. Shout your kumbaya. Do whatever you want to do, but don't access currency. Don't access currency. And he wasn't teaching that. What he was teaching was that your possessions don't have the priority. Come on. That's so he's teaching. So I want you to write this down because this is what it is. See, God's love, I'm going to take my time because I want you to get this this, this. this right here will set you free. <clears throat> Excuse me. Write this down. God's love will establish boundaries to protect intimacy with him. So, how does this work? Someone asks, how does this work? Okay. You can have everything in this garden. But to protect my intimacy with you, don't touch, don't eat, excuse me. Of this tree. So my love, you have everything you need. Love, love, love without limits. Everything you need. But to protect the intimacy with you and I, because you're not robots. Oh, my God. Tap into your divine nature. Oh, come on. Come on. Don't live in your human nature. You don't even know what that is. Live in your divine nature. We're going to get to it. Even with the enemy there, live in your divine nature, which is my nature. Why did the enemy begin and went to that tree of good and evil? And so he wants you to understand that he protects intimacy. We do that as well. We're married, right? And we don't think no big deal about it. Excuse me. That we believe that this is what the bound is supposed to be and here we're supposed to be doing. And so it goes on and says this. But God's love. <clears throat> excuse me. This message, praise God. <clears throat> he says, listen, he says. God's love establishes boundaries to protect intimacy with him, but does not erect barriers. Come on. To keep you in prison as an inmate to what you think is good and evil. So God does not erect barriers because that would violate his law. But what he does establish boundaries so you then can be obedient to what he tells you to do. And because you know God is good, you trust him with what's taking place. And it's in that context, he says, sell all that you have and give to the poor and let and come and follow me. That it's a relationship with me. And I promise you, if you got all this wealth with the principles of this world, can you imagine what you can access if I'm the one that you're following? If in your human nature you prosper. Can you imagine in your divine nature what, my God, he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Tithing is not a human nature thing. No, tithing is a divine thing of where you trust God to be your source. And that's why we took it from not evil. We made it our human effort and got away from the divine effort. Wow, that's the law. We live under grace now. Really? Truly? If the law said 10% and grace means the abundant, extravagant, and in other words, if it's truly grace, you'll give him everything. So we don't really believe in grace, do we? So we stay in our human nature. See, your good is not. Enough, that's why you can't buy a miracle. You can't do it, you can't buy it. It's because God is the one that does that. And if you would establish, if you would get a hold of God's love, will establish boundaries to protect intimacy with Him, but does not erect barriers to keep you in prison as an inmate to what you think is good and evil. So, in other words, He's saying you don't love people based on your knowledge of good and evil. So, the nastiest sin, Jesus died for it. The vilest of sinners, he died for your sins. That's the good news. Let's stop elevating and erecting barriers to that message. But I'm not intimidated by your sin, come on, that I won't preach the boundaries of God to protect your intimacy with him that's what we have to understand that's what we have to take a look at and recognize this so so important and so he goes on now and so here he says the rich man the rich young ruler walks away he walks away because he had so much possession he couldn't do the law of love and the love without limits his possessions were there and he walked away and here is what we want to take a look at as you wrap this up, please understand this. What's the problem? You see, the problem is that our human nature is not good enough and cannot be trusted. Let that sink in. Jesus looked around in verse 23 and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. We have preached an easy gospel because our human nature can't handle anything else. We preach, everybody come on in, and we don't preach kingdom. Listen to me. There's a difference between preaching the gospel of the kingdom and preaching the gospel that Jesus preached. (laughs) Let me break it down for you. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. We just talk about Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Because our human nature can only handle that. If we preach the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached, we would have to change our behavior. And we don't have the effort because we're powerless, hear me now, to be able to live out what Jesus talks about the kingdom. And so it leads us to this. What's the problem? You and I don't have it in us to do this thing. When we get to that place, then we'll see a major move of God. Because here it is now that the disciples ask this question or the people around there. Hold on, then who can be saved? If this wealthy uh, young ruler... Who did good, and the belief back then was they were being blessed because they were good, and God was blessing people. So if you had money, that means you had the blessing of God, and that's why some people want to rip the prosperity gospel because what's happened is simply this. Listen to me, prosperity is found in Jesus. And the enemy attacks the prosperity gospel because he wants to confuse people to live in your human effort and because we have some people don't want to follow the laws of God that if somebody else gets wealthy we get jealous of it it's amazing that a basketball player can bounce a basketball and get a 50 million dollars a year contract and we think that's great but you have someone who operates to tithes and offering and walk in the blessings of God who's humble and you're saying ah that's not God that's a lie from the that's the enemy Wants to bankrupt, excuse me, the church. Preacher, my glasses off. Amen. You know what I'm saying? He wants to bankrupt the church. Hear me now. Hear me now. There's are some of you that God is saying, I want to send prosperity to you, but you can't operate in your human effort because you think it's your goodness that God and you won't give God the glory. Come on. There are millionaires in this church. I prophesied that over you. Why? So we could take territory. Come on, somebody. Not so I can get a plane. So we can take the airwaves. Come on, somebody. So we can take territory. God says everywhere your feet steps. You have authority in that area. But the enemy wants to bankrupt the church. It's as poor as me. Not at TGP. Oh, no, we elevate everything. We elevate everything. When our first guy says, no, this is just me. Here's the deal. Please don't get it. I said, no, we're going to have real plants because you have to cultivate those things. You have to make sure we're watering it properly. There are times we come, because we haven't been here, and it goes like this. And we're like, oops, we're not cultivating. And so we got to put water, and we got to make sure, and then it comes alive again. Come on. And so what we tell people when they come in here is this, is that prosperity is found in Jesus Christ. And as a council, come on, I'm believing for that land. Here's why. Because we have to take territory. I refuse to believe that the enemy is going to take land. We have to take territory. Then who can be saved? The question was, identify a category of people then. If this rich, good dude cannot enter the kingdom, then give us somebody in the category that we can look at and follow them. And look at the scripture. Jesus does not answer who can be saved. He answers, if you look at it, who saves? Yes. <laughs> Jesus looked at them and says With man it is impossible But not with God For all things Someone say all things, all things. Come on say all things, all things Are possible with who? So you gotta tap into your divine nature then He's calling you out of your human nature Into your divine nature uh-huh. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's calling some of you. Come on. He's calling some of you. Come on. You've been doing all this work. All this effort. But I'm declaring that God is going to release prosperity. You better get ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. God is going to give creative ideas in the midst of this economy. We're going to prosper. Why? For the glory and for the kingdom of God. So people can know the good news of the gospel. Is there anybody else except one person in this place that's saying, God, prosper me. Help me. Let me of my divine nature. And so let me end with this. He says it's possible with God. And here is the promise I want you to walk away with. I have no time to get into the divine nature. I want to but that's you got to come back for that. Here it is. This is it. Mark ten twenty. If we can get on the screen. Mark ten twenty. I want you please to don't miss this because this is for somebody. Here is it is. I, I love business owners. I really do. Because you have the ability to operate faith and kingdom principles. You do. You do. It's amazing that you work the laws out. And every one of us should biblically be our own business owners. Even though we work for somebody as an employee, we must always have a business mindset. To study what's going on. Don't you walk into a place and just clock in and clock out. Study the principles. Study what's taking place there. Understand the concepts, what's going on, because in the principle is a promise. And that promise is prosperity. I said it, it's prosperity. It's in it. Two quick things, I got 10 minutes. Um, I was in, in Florida visiting. My, my best friend, and we're in Florida, and it's, it's where I go just to, just to chill out. If I'm not here, and you know, Rowan's in Florida, 90% of the time, I'm at Rich's house in his backyard, uh, just chilling with his two dogs. Amen. Just chilling. Love them both. And so we got together, and we were talking, and, and I said to him, and we were just talking, and he's, he's sharing stuff, and I'm writing stuff down. I said, so Tell me about what you do when he's talking. I'm, I said, I'm taking notes, and, and, he, and he's writing, I'm, I'm writing these things down. I told you, y'all, when I spend time with you, I'm learning. I'm learning, and I wrote stuff down. I said, oh, so, so Rich, are you saying it's first about a, 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 about a capacity? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I wrote that down. And then it, it's about a capability? Yeah. So do I have the capability to tap into my capacity? Come on, that's a promise I have to access. That can't be done in my human effort. It can't. I've got to step into a divine place where God says, I'm expanding your boundaries. So I don't violate the principle of intimacy. Hear me, church. I got to have God expand my boundaries so when I step into prosperity, I don't violate and create a barrier because I think it's my goodness. No, it's God's goodness. So he expands. He expands. Someone say expansion. So whenever you're at work, it's expansion. Oh God. Because in your human effort, they can't afford to pay you what you're worth anyways. No, that needs to go in your mind. I don't know about your coworker who don't know Jesus, but you who know Jesus, you understand they can't afford to pay you what you're worth. So you've got to go there as honoring God in your divine nature so you don't get upset at what they're paying you. But work the principle and learn and say, God, I can duplicate that. I can duplicate that. Ah. And so here it is now. He says this in Mark 10:28 to 30. Do we have it on the screen? And watch now. And then Peter began to say, see, we have left everything and, and, and followed you. Was that true? Of course it was. Peter was a fisherman, a business owner, who left everything, his economy, to follow the kingdom of God. Oh, come on. And because God is good, God can never, ever let Peter or anyone who follows him live less than what they had in their human effort. When they walk into divine nature. It would violate God's principle. It would violate God's principle. That's why he goes after sickness. That's why he goes after those things. Because it violates what God said about you. And when anyone picks on you. They pick on God. He told Paul. You're fighting against me. Not the church. You're fighting against me Paul. And when someone messes with you, they're messing against God himself. If you understand who you are and if you walk in your divine nature. Now, if you go in your human nature, you think, I'll just keep being good. I'll just keep being good. I'll just keep being good. I did that for years. It didn't work. They took advantage of me. They abused me in my goodness. I thought my goodness was good enough. I didn't tap into my divine nature and tell them, hold on a second here. You're violating the principle of who God is in my life. Oh, my God, we got to slap that devil. Tell him to get out of your life. Come on. You got to slap that devil and just get out of my life. So let me read this. And here's what it is. Peter said, and Jesus says, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or lands. That's like a rap. There's no one that houses or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or land. Come on. That was in my human nature. I apologize for that. <laughs> you remember Pastor Tuesday? I did a cartwheel first time I came here. I was like... <laughs> we, got, we got a crazy past in here. Okay. And look what he said. For my sake... Watch this now. Don't miss this. And for what else? Oh, no, he didn't say that, did he? For my sake... And for the good news... Of the kingdom. He's telling this rich young ruler... I want to give you so much blessing that I have to expand your thinking. And your possession is contaminated my ability to expand and give you more. So get rid of it so I can fill you with more. And he walked away because he had great possession and missed the principle. Don't miss the principle. Don't miss the principle. And so here it is. He goes on and he says this now. Who will not receive a hundredfold? How much? A hundredfold. A hundredfold. Now, when? no when? In this time. They asked, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? He said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you are Jeremiah. And some say you're one of the prophets. They didn't say Isaiah, didn't say Moses. They said, you are one like Jeremiah. You are weeping over the condition of the human heart. And you're like Jeremiah saying, your good is not good enough. And you're like him. And what he's saying is this. God, get this. He's saying now, remember what Jeremiah said, even when you were in exile, build houses. God, I prophesy in this place. Home ownership in Jesus' name. I prophesy in this place. Come on. Business being birthed. I prophesy, yes, in this economy. Prosperity to rise up for the body of Christ. Those who are following Jesus and the gospel. I pray in Jesus' name that this is the case. This is what happens. And we end with this. You will get houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. That's it right there. When you're going to live in your divine nature, you will be persecuted because you're moving away from the human effort. And now you're making a difference. And we call this biblically, write this down, sanctification. There's a word. It's called sanctification. It's called the holiness of God. And because God is good, God is holy. Because God is good, God is holy. And in the age to come, then he says, eternal life. Someone say, I have, I have a promise. And to access that promise, I have to realize my good is not good enough. That's what's holding me back. So we have an altar call. No, I'm good. God wants you to go deeper. No, I'm good, Pastor Rowe. I'm content with the goodness I've gotten so far. I I, I said the prayer. What what more do you want? So just repeat after me and and, and say the prayer, and I'm good. And God is saying, there's so much more of my goodness I want to show you, but you're landed, you're rooted in your goodness. You literally thought it was your goodness that got you saved. Even the person that's in the vilest of place, you notice the people who recognize that I, there's no good in me. Follow Jesus compared to people who thought they were good that destroyed Jesus. What put Jesus on the cross wasn't the evil. It was the good. The lame, the blind, the demon-possessed, they all came to him. We need you, Jesus. We need your goodness. But the people who thought they were good, righteous, they said, you're going to go with the cross, Jesus. Because you're telling me my good is not good enough. I don't want to hear that. And that's the biggest threat. Please write this down. You have a decision to make today. You have a decision. to make, And I make no apology for what I'm about to say. You have, I'm not going to apologize what I'm about to say. You have a decision to make today. Will you be known as the church in America? Or you will continue to live as the American church? Because the American church lives by human effort. And the church in America are stepping into the divine nature. You have a decision to make today. Because your goodness and my goodness is not good enough. My brother came down from Canada. He was he owns a business and... He was in Cincinnati and it worked out so well. I, I typically stay off for flawless and, and um this year it was it was just amazing. And and here's the deal we host flawless. It's really a ministry birth out of Josephine, and you gotta store a girl. You do. You have to. Um you have to because your good is not good enough. It's gotta be his. And so I walked in and I realized I came in and God's like, you're not needed. You know how that makes me feel? I'm not needed. I can't be honest. As a pastor, I'm like, what do you mean I'm not needed? He goes, you're not needed. Where you need to be is Cincinnati with your brother. For the first time, I was by myself driving for two and a half hours to see my brother. And it was one of the sweetest rides I've had. Me and Jesus just pouring into me and say, just rest, bro. I got them. They're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. So he would stay at the hotel, and I came down. It was just, I haven't seen him for two years. And uh, just my, my, my dude, man, and I got there, and, and um, I got into the hotel. I'm not going to name the hotel because I don't want to give them credit because they're not giving me any kickback. So that's why some of y'all need to own a hotel so I can give the credit. You know what I'm saying? Come on, I prophesy that. Business owners, business owners, business owners. Come on, I'm gonna let you go. It's 1201, I know, I know, I know but but I'm prophesying business owners. Where, where are you at? Where are you at? Step into your divine nature and build. Step into your divine nature and build. Come on, ah, good God Almighty. So I get there and I'm going up to the room, and as soon as I got to the elevator, there's a sign from the hotel that says, The Promise. Our promise to you as a guest in this hotel, this is the promise. And I read it and I got back. I was like, ooh, what a sermon title. And I went and I took a picture of it. I stepped into the elevator and right in front of me was again the same thing. The promise, the promise. I said, what's wrong with these people? Right in front of me again was the promise, the promise. I got out the there on the fifth floor and I went into the room and I put the key in and as soon as I put my stuff up, right on the desk where I put my stuff was again the promise. What they wanted me to understand from the moment I got into that hotel was this, that we have a promise to you that we must fulfill. And God is saying, oh good God Almighty, that when you step into my divine nature hotel, that I promise to be good to you. Oh good God that you don't have to judge between good and evil anymore because your good is not good enough. Step into my hotel and rest in my goodness. Who am I speaking to this morning that God wants to give you his presence because your goodness is not good enough? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, the people before me and those watching online... We have a decision to make right now in this prophetic moment. Will we be the church in America who has a voice? Or will we be the American church that lives in our human nature thinking our goodness is good enough? God, what is at stake? Is the expansion of the kingdom. And so I pray right now. If that's you. If that's you. I am asking you. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. To break the silence. Come on. And say yes God. Yes, God. Yes, God.